0: jcasnetwork.org Hello, and welcome to Daily Da'op Differently. Today we're learning the Darim, page 78. Ayin Chet. Eitz Chayim. That's what it stands for. Page 78, this is Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you. Uh, We, at the bottom of 77B and at the top of 77A, we uh, related, there are different terminologies for what the husband does to a vow, and what the sage does to a vow as we noted before the husband is may fair annuls the vow and the sage matir releases the vow when the husband is may fair the vow the practical effect is that the vow took effect let's say the the wife or the in case of the, the wife in case of a husband the daughter in case of a father makes the vow at 8 p.m. that she will not eat apples the husband hears about it at noon uh, and nullifies the vow. From, from 8 a.m. until noon, she was, in fact, bound under that religious vow not to eat apples. If she had violated it, it would be a biblical violation because she made a vow until such time as she was released. Uh, in contrast, when a sage releases a vow, the vow does retroactively never existed in the first place. And had this woman in question eaten apples at 9 a.m., uh, instead of a violation it was insignificant and there was no violation so that's the difference between hafara nullification that a husband does or a father does for a vow that did exist and hatara release the nullification of a vow such so that it never existed at all why are those two things different i give you the classic answer cause it says so it says so in the bible and and it uses this phrase Zehadavar, this is the matter, this is the rule. And the Gemara will go on to uh, to draw what's called a Gzerashava, which basically means a synonymous use. The phrase Zehadavar, this is the law, this is the matter, is used both with respect to the laws about, about uh, the nullification of vows, and also the prohibition on Aaron and all the children of Israel not to sacrifice outside the temple precincts. What do those two things share in common? Nothing other than the fact that they use that phrase, Zehadavar, but the sages, as is their wont, will learn something of legal significance out of that juxtaposition, that same phrase appearing in both cases. Uh, It appears in the the laws about not sacrificing outside the temple precincts. It says the laws apply to Aharon, one, uvanav, two, ve'chol Yisrael, three. It applied to Aaron and his sons and to all Israel. And so we learn, uh, the rabbis learn, the rabbis derive, that those three, the threeness of that that, uh, phrasing applies both to the laws about the sacrifices and applies to the laws about the nullifying of the vows. And that tells you that it applies not only to aharon uvanav, metaphorically to the to the sages are the leaders but it also applies to call Israel all people and that means that three lay people non-experts are also empowered to uh, nullify people's vows to do Hatarat Nizarim. The Talmud will examine the fact that that the laws in in numbers about this specifically are addressed to Rachei Hamatot the heads of the tribes, which sounds like, at least as the rabbis read it, sounds like it applies only to the experts, and the Gemara will say in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that the expert, the Rasheha HaMatot, the, ch- the chieftains of the tribes, they can nullify a, a, a vow, just one person, on his his own authority, but uh, but a, a group of three, a panel of three non-expert judges can also, annul, can also annul that vow. Okay, not what we would call the super practical... Uh, law, not something we need to worry about too much right now. But uh, there's an interesting exposition. We will go on and say that Beit, Beit Hillel accepts that exposition. Beit Shammai doesn't. Beit Shammai has to come up with a different exposition for why for why uh, uh, three lay people can nullify a vow. And for this, we get a we get an interesting little uh, another textual exposition that is packaged inside a story. And I'll read this now near the bottom of page seventy eight. Aleph, on the Aleph side. Where did Beit Shammai get this view? Nafka They would derive it from this story about Rav Asi Barnatan. for it is written in the Bible. Vay'daber Moshe ad-moadai el And Moses described the festivals of God to the children of Israel. V'hatanya, but it is taught in a brighter. Rabbi Yossi haGaliliomer, Rabbi Yossi of Galilee said, this applies to the laws of the festivals, but not Shabbat. It's called Shabbat Breshit. It doesn't mean the, the Sabbath in which we read the, the beginning of the Torah. It just means the weekly Sabbath. The festivals were described, uh, and, the, and the matter of annulling vows was not described with them. So Rav Asi Barnatan Kasha le Hai Matnita. Rav Asi Barnatan has a problem with this with this teaching that we've just reported because it is factually incorrect because Shabbat is the weekly Shabbat is described with the annual festivals and HaFarat Nidarim is in fact described next to the 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 recounting of all the festivals in Parshat Pinchas in numbers 28 29. So what's he going to do? He, he wants to go get an answer, so he comes to Nehardea to find Rav Sheshet. Ata le he, Kame he de Rav Sheshet. He seeks Rav Sheshet for an explanation, velo but he couldn't find him there. Ata abatre le then he chases him down to the next town, Mechoza, and he finds him there and, and, and he says to him, I don't understand why Rabbi Yossi and, and and Ben Az, I could say what they said, because in point of fact, these other matters are said next to, in the very, in the very same passages, or right next to, the, uh, the, the holiday cycles. So Rav Sheshit explains, this is what it means. Moadei tzrichim kiddush beit Shabbat tzricha The festivals, in their biblical incarnation, don't happen on a, on a uh, just automatic calendar. They